We're going to start tonight in Ontario because there is a high-stakes game of labor relations. Who will blank first? Blink first, not blank first. Blink first going on in that province tonight. And caught in the middle of it, middle of it all, of course, are many school kids and their parents hoping it will be resolved before too much, if any, schooling is lost. Who's to blame? Well, that all depends on who you listen to. Here's how it, here's what's happening. The union representing some 55,000 education workers, that staff like education assistants, administrative staff, custodians, the people who keep your kids' school working and clean, they're looking for a raise through their union of roughly 11.7% a year in a new contract. Now, that seems like a lot, but they've had their salaries capped for a while. They've been losing money for the past several years. And, of course, they don't want to lose any more money. Inflation, we know where it is. Why would you take a, a raise that was below inflation? It means you're working for less year after year. So the province came back with 2.5% a year if you made more than $43,000, 1.5% a year if you're above that. So you can see where the collision is coming. They're far apart. So the Canadian Union of Public Employees, or CUPE, gave strike notice on Sunday. On Monday, yesterday, the province imposed a new deal on the workers, imposed it, and invoked the notwithstanding clause, preventing it from being challenged in the courts. I get the sense they see a political winner here and they couldn't be bothered. They couldn't be bothered. They're either too lazy or they couldn't be bothered to make it charter compliant. Like, why bother, right? Why bother if it's a political winner? Why bother? Just ignore the charter. Let's use the notwithstanding clause in advance. Who cares, right? Well, people do care. Um, of course, the Ford government says this is all about the kids. Of course they do. They even call the thing the Keeping Students in Class Act, not the Let's Take Away the Rights of the Lowest Paid Workers Keeping Our Schools Running Act. Um, which they could have, because either of them are true. Uh, but Premier Ford said in question period today, the government is indeed looking out for the children. We're making sure that the students stay in class. I'm going to repeat that. They're going to stay in class. We want parents to know that we're doing everything we can to make sure students don't miss one single day in class. Right. And that includes taking away the rights of your workers, right? Which, of course, you may or may not agree with, but that's what's being done. So the union said, you know what? Forget it. We're walking out anyway. All 55,000 workers will walk out on Friday illegally now. They face fines of $4,000 a person each day. And the union faces $500,000 a day in fines. Several school boards, of course, including the Toronto District School Board, one of the biggest in the country, have said they will close schools on Friday because there's going to be a massive protest not only the people walking up, but also in solidarity with them. And in Ottawa today, as expected, a chorus of high-profile liberals, federal liberals, from the justice minister on, including the prime minister, um, and he has a pretty good relationship with Doug Ford, uh, says that all politicians need to uh, not overuse the notwithstanding clause to suspend people's rights. Using the notwithstanding clause to suspend workers' rights um, is wrong. I know that... that Collective bargaining negotiations are sometimes difficult, but it has to happen. It has to be done in a respectful, thoughtful way at the bargaining table. Well, joining me now with more on this is Eric Tucker. He's a professor emeritus at Osgoode Law School at York University, specializing in labor and employment law. Thanks for your time. Well, thank you for having me. Um, there's an old term, using a sledgehammer to crack a nut. I'm not sure it's suitable here, but it feels like it a bit. I mean, this is this is a this is some pretty uh, this is some pretty tough legislation. Uh, yes, it is. It's really quite uh, 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 unprecedented or almost unprecedented for uh, a government uh, to invoke the notwithstanding clause in order to uh, pass uh, back to work legislation and insulate it 
uh, from being reviewed by the courts, in effect saying, we don't care whether or not it's constitutional or not, uh, we're going to go ahead and do this. Uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's not something we've seen governments do uh, previously. Now, we understand that public, uh, the public sector are in their contract negotiations now. There are clearly because of the cost of living and so forth, there are wage demands that perhaps we hadn't seen in the past. At least the scale of the wage demands is pretty high. Um, but what's going on here exactly? Because it didn't feel like it was, I mean, they were far apart, no doubt. Um, but it didn't, was this the right right move at this stage of the game for both the province and for the union and for QP? Right. So, you know, it's there are a lot of issues here to, to unpack. Uh, obviously, uh, for public sector workers, uh, particularly public sector workers in, in Ontario, remember, they're coming off a three years of wage restraint. Uh, so for the past three years, right, there was legislation that limited them to uh, 1% annual increases uh, at a time uh, when inflation was running higher than that. So effectively, uh, they've been subject to wage cuts over the past three years. Uh, inflation, as we all know, is running considerably higher now, uh, 6 to 7%, I believe, uh, and it's projected to uh, run 3 to 4% uh, uh, in, in 2023. Uh, so, uh, obviously, this is a situation in which uh, unions that now have their opportunity to bargain uh, were looking to sort of catch up uh, for some of the wage losses that they've suffered and, and to insulate themselves from suffering from further uh, wage losses as a result of inflation. Uh, so that's why, you know, why the wage demand might, to some of uh, your listeners, seem high it has to be viewed uh, in, in contextually. Uh, on the other hand, the Ontario government has made it absolutely clear, right, that they're, in terms of public sector compensation, uh, they're uh, pursuing what has been characterized as an austerity program, uh, trying to significantly limit uh, pay for public sector workers effectively to cut uh, their compensation uh, costs. Uh, and indeed, uh, some of your listeners may have heard an interview with uh, the Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, where he made it absolutely clear that the position that the Ontario government is taking in this negotiation is designed to uh, make it clear to the teachers unions who are also negotiating uh, that they're going to face a pretty uh, 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 you know, tough uh, position at the bargaining table from this government. And thus the reason why uh, the Canadian Union of Public Employees has said, you know, we're going to walk out anyway, because this feels like this is the first, this is a big battle in what is going to be a tough winter, I would think, or a tough, uh, tough series of negotiations. So that's why we're seeing, because it feels like if you weren't watching closely, it feels like this all went to the brink very quickly. It did, uh, you know, because, you know, generally speaking, right, uh, in collective bargaining, uh, there are a number of stages that the parties go through uh, before they reach an impasse. Uh, so one of them, of course, is to take a strike vote, uh, which the union did at the time. The um, Minister of Labor thought that that was regrettable, but that's perfectly normal in, in industrial relations. Uh, and then when they didn't reach agreement, right, they gave notice. Now, most uh, uh, many, many collective 
bargaining, uh, you know, uh, situations settle, uh, go to the, go to the brink. Uh, you know, they only settle when uh, uh, they're at the verge of either going on a strike or having a lockout. So uh, the Ontario government, in a sense, preemptively tried to stop that, I suppose, by enacting this legislation before they got to the brink. Now, the parties still have the opportunity to bargain and reach a deal before Friday. I don't know what the possibilities are, but it has clearly uh, escalated uh, very, very quickly in this situation. Public opinion can often matter in these cases. I mean, it doesn't matter to the letter of the law, but the letter of the law has been been pushed away, we gather in this case, with the use of the notwithstanding clause. Uh, how important is public opinion here? And, and how politically savvy do you think the government is being here when it comes to negotiating in this way with, you know, clearly parents right. in Ontario would like to see their kids stay in school, right? Right. So, you know, there's no doubt that there is, you know, people, parents are, you know, they've had a pretty tough a uh, couple of years, right, with uh, the consequences of COVID. And so I'm sure nobody welcomes uh, another disruption uh, to the education system. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, the government has taken quite a heavy hand in trying to address it. They, they you know, even if they were enacting back-to-work legislation, uh, they could have... Uh, 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 adopted, rather than imposing uh, a collective agreement, which is in effect what they're doing, the normal thing we do in Canada uh, when there's back-to-work legislation or where essential services workers don't have the right to strike is to say, well, we'll send all outstanding matters uh, to uh, an arbitrator, mm -hmm. uh, a neutral third party, who will look at the party's positions and come up with what they think is a fair deal. Uh, in this case, not only have they legislated Ontario, uh, 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 you know, workers back to work, but they've imposed a collective agreement on them. And they've said, and we don't care whether or not we've trampled uh, your fundamental rights and freedoms in doing so. And I think that doesn't play well uh, politically. Now, of course, this government is in a very, very strong position, right? They were recently reelected. And so they perhaps don't have to worry. Uh, too much in the short term about the political fallout uh, from this particular measure. But I don't think it's one that uh, will, I think it will be seen by a large number of Ontario voters as being a very heavy-handed approach uh, to dealing with this situation. When you look at what kind of impact this could have outside of Ontario, I know that, as you mentioned, you know, different provinces are in different situations, different parties are in different situations when it comes to when they have to face voters again. But people must be watching what Ontario is up to because every province faces something similar in the not too distant future, which is public sector unions wanting, you know, cost of living increases and the cost of living is high. Uh, you know, public sector collective bargaining has always uh, been uh, contentious, more contentious at sometimes. Uh, than others, uh, and likely to become, uh, you know, contentious as we see in Ontario because of the inflation and the uh, rising cost of living and the uh, desire of unions when they have, remember, unions bargain a collective agreement maybe once every three years. You know, they have this limited opportunity, right, to try to protect their members uh, redress losses that they've suffered because of unanticipated uh, uh, inflation that has eroded their wages, and also looking forward, right, to uh, try to ensure that they don't suffer uh, further losses. So there is going to be uh, pressure 
right, from unions to seek, you know, wage increases that are perhaps larger than what we're accustomed to seeing in recent uh, years. Uh, and, you know, how different governments will respond, obviously, is going to vary enormously, depending, uh, certainly in part, right, on the political orientation uh, of that government. So, uh, you know, what we're seeing in Ontario, of course, is an example of a conservative government uh, that uh, has never had much patience, I think, for uh, public sector uh, collective bargaining, as we know already had previously imposed three years uh, of wage restraint on the public sector and the broader public sector. Uh, and certainly conservative governments in other provinces likely to have similar reactions, although it's not at all clear to me that other uh, governments will be so quick uh, to enact legislation like this that imposes uh, uh, a uh, settlement on the uh, on the union and then says, and you can't challenge this. So we're going to do this notwithstanding the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, because it's a pretty dramatic statement, right, in the context uh, of what are, I think, uh, understandings, generally accepted understandings, uh, that it should only be in the most extraordinary cases. Sorry, I'm going no, it's on. all right. So, so what next here in Ontario? Because I gather that there is there recourse at this point in time. Could anything change? Right now, we're headed towards QP walks out on at least the educators walk out on Friday. Right. That 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 part of the bargain of uh, QP walks out on Friday. Uh, the government's going to start fining them. Uh, is there anything that could change? Is there any way for this to be challenged? Well, it can't be challenged, but of course, you know, uh, between now and Friday, it's also possible that the parties will go back to the table and uh, reach a deal. Yeah, a game of labor relations chicken going on here, right down to the wire. Uh, Eric Tucker, thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.